Well as Podcast, where we focus on how we can improve our physical health so that we can enjoy the life God has called us to, to the absolute fullest. What's going on, ladies? I hope you're having a great day. Thank you for being here. Thanks for hanging out with me. I am looking forward to sharing some hot questions with you today that all came from one listener. Thank you so much to this dear listener. Um, I was just about to ask for questions on Instagram, and there she was the day before asking these three that are great that I think many of us probably have and will be relevant to all of us. So thank you very much. I will. I would love to receive questions anytime at fitmomlifetothefullest at gmail.com or on Instagram, fitmomlifetothefullest, whatever floats your boat. And if this is your first time, welcome. Thanks for hanging out with us. I am Brittany. I'm a Catholic wife and mom of three boys. Third one's coming soon. And I run fitmomlifetothefullest.com. So whatever your fitness and nutrition needs are, <laughs> that's pretty much going to be answered over there. I run challenges and do one-on-one coaching, things like that. been doing this for a while, and I love to break it down for people who are about to become moms, who are moms, who've been moms a long time, etc. I also am very much your normal average person. And proving that point, I just got five minutes into recording this podcast originally, and I went to pull up a study for you guys and or an article really to cite and just totally X myself out. <laughs> I just closed the podcast recording box and no, it was not saved, pre-saved already. So, uh, you know, just going to re-talk to myself over here, talk to you as well. But, you know, we all have those days where you start driving with the coffee on the car or you just X yourself out, you know, five minutes into a podcast and it's all good. They're still napping. I'm still talking. We're good. So I'm going to hop right in. So if it's a little shorter, you know why. You're like, oh, that's why, because she wasted five minutes. All right, question number one, what counts as water? Does sparkling water or herbal tea count towards your water intake? Great question. I have harped on the importance of water so much on this podcast, in my challenges with one-on-one clients. Water is so important because it is, you know, comprising most of our body, right? Most of our body is comprised of water. So we do not realize though how much it affects our energy levels. This is something that I have one one one-on-one client I'm thinking of in particular who was drinking around 40 ounces water a day. When I got her to shoot for 80 to 100, we hadn't even really touched anything else yet. We hadn't really dove deep into her nutrition yet. She was just getting into the workouts. Really, water was the only factor we changed. And in just two weeks, she was like, I cannot believe how much this has changed my energy levels and changed the way I feel and all of that. So water is huge. And it's one of those things that if you are in the regular routine of drinking a lot of water, we do kind of take it for granted. I don't routinely think about how much, you know, drinking a lot of water does affect my energy or does affect my day. But if I don't get enough water, I definitely feel that then. It's like, oh, I have a headache. Oh, I feel sluggish. So water is definitely important. I tell most people to just shoot for 100 ounces. You could get fancy if you want and look up an online calculator to calculate exactly what you should do according to your body weight. But I think 100 ounces is just a good baseline for most people. If you're falling a little bit in the 80 to 100, that's okay. And then I have some clients who like to drink a little more than that, who go more 100 to 120. And that's awesome too. Yes, there is such a thing as drinking too much water, but 100 ounces is not going to be too much. So it is important. You need to get it in. And it's definitely easier too if you're not drinking a ton of other stuff. I have found that. That um, even sometimes if I'm including protein shakes in my day, 
if especially in the morning, I remember going in to teach when I was teaching middle school and I had like my coffee cup, my shake cup and my water bottle. I was like, this is just too much hydration. So I get it, especially then if you're, you know, keeping pop or juice or things like that in the mix, it's hard to get that water in. So that's another plug for maybe backing off the other stuff, not necessarily the protein shakes, but cutting out the other extras. If you're, you know, still on the pop train and things like that, but really trying to get it down to water is your main drinking source and then coffee or tea. But back to this question, what does count as water? Does sparkling water or herbal tea count? So yes to the sparkling water and sometimes to to the herbal tea because if it's caffeinated, then it's dehydrating. Any kind of caffeine is dehydrating to the body. So I would not count caffeinated coffee or tea in your water count. But if it's decaf, you can count that. And then sparkling water, yes, because really it is just water. I just would, again, kind of uh, remind you, I've talked about this in the processed foods and artificial sweeteners episodes, but just, you know, remind you to double check what you're drinking. Try to get one that doesn't have additives or artificial sweeteners and those kinds of things. So that's totally fine. I have clients who do that because it helps them get to their water count more easily than just having plain old water. But it's summer too. Get creative with it. You can infuse some fruit in your water. I'm on a big lemon kick. So about a big bag of lemons and have been putting lemon in the water. And it's amazing how these little tweaks can inspire you to drink it more. I'm just not as excited when it's just my plain old water bottle with regular water. But if I'm home, I will put the water either in a glass or a wine glass, but I'll put in ice cubes and lemon. And all of a sudden it seems like I know it sounds so corny and you might be rolling your eyes at me, but it seems like a treat, especially now when I can't drink alcohol because I am like, oh, just even with the ice and the lemon, like this is so much more appealing. So make it appealing and drink your water. All right. Question number two. This is where I lost you last time. So I'm going to click very carefully as I try to go over to the study. Okay. So the question is, is collagen powder and liquid egg whites in a smoothie, a good replacement for protein powder in my smoothie? Very good question. I've talked about collagen a little bit on here before and if I think it's worth it or not. But um, it has been something I've been interested in diving kind of down this rabbit hole with to see if it's worth it more on the skin, hair, nails kind of side of things than the like muscle and health side of things, I guess. I guess it's all health, but Hopefully you know what I mean by that. But the overall answer is no. Number one, interesting to me because I I get freaked out by the (laughs) the egg whites not cooked. So props to you if you are Arnold Schwarzeneggering it and throwing that into your smoothies. But what I usually recommend to people is whey isolate protein as long as your stomach can handle it and you don't have – it doesn't cause you digestion issues. Typically, the higher quality ones will not – cause you bloating and digestion issues. For example, uh, first form is a really great kind of protein that uh, you can just Google it. But and the form is P-H-O-R-M. And I used to get this all the time. The reason I stopped is because it does have, I think, sucralose in it or has some kind of artificial sweetener that I was like, I don't want to be having this, you know, in a protein shake of all things when you're trying to be healthy. But it is a very high-quality protein. It is processed slowly in, in, in low heat versus just ran through on high heat, which is what a lot of them are. So the quality can matter. Um, but the whey isolate is 
a complete protein. The problem with the collagen is it is not a complete protein. And this is what I was trying to pull up for you so that you know where it's coming from and not just me. This is from todaysdietitian.com. So what is collagen? Collagen is a protein and it's the main component of the various connective tissues in the body. In other words, it's the substance that holds the body together. Okay, but here's the thing. All collagen contains 19 different amino acids with a particularly high content of hydroxyproline. However, what it does not have is trip, yeah, tryptophan, which is one of the nine, <laughs> I have to watch my pronunciations on here, but we're going to say tryptophan, yeah, which is one of the nine essential amino acids. So it's not a complete protein is what it boils down to. And this is what I've said before is it'd be better to go with a whey protein or just an actual like animal fat or animal source of protein. Like chicken doesn't have to be a fat, but chicken breast or some kind of meat as your protein because it's more complete than collagen is. But what I am intrigued by, again, is the fact that I've heard studies recently that have uh, followed women who have taken collagen for several months and like checked in on them skin-wise and seeing like skin elasticity and appearance of wrinkles and all that stuff. So I'm intrigued by that. But according to this article too, it says, First of all, before you even need to worry about supplements, there are several food sources naturally rich in collagen. So the most common food source is bone broth, which is, unlike stock, is typically simmered for only a few hours. Oh, chicken stock, I'm sorry, is only simmered for a few hours. But bone broth is simmered for 24 hours to break down the bones and release from them as many nutrients and minerals as possible. So, and then it says if you are eating animal meat, that is not uh, organ meats. Like if you are eating the actual muscle or connective tissue, that's a really rich source of collagen, as well as fish, egg whites, and (laughs) all these words that are going to give me trouble today. Spirulina, I am not even sure quite what that is. So uh, basically, it's not a complete protein. It, it, It obviously does have protein. If you're looking to it to just up your protein counts, like putting it in your shake, I would just get a whey protein. If you can't tolerate whey, I would probably just get a plant-based protein. I am intrigued about the addition of collagen, which would then, again, really be a lot of protein if you did that elsewhere in your day. But it sounds like, again, you can just get collagen naturally from foods and maybe the supplements is really just a little unnecessary. Also remembering that, you know, the supplement industry is just that. It's an industry. They're trying to make money. They're trying to sell us things. So, not every single thing. There are so many supplements I've said are not worth our times. Fat burners, those kinds of things where if you mostly just can portion control yourself, track your macros, you know, then get to eating intuitively, lift weights, like you don't need most of these supplements. But again, I have not totally crossed this one off. I am intrigued. Maybe I'll report back to see if I just start using it for other reasons like hair, skin, and nails. But In looking for a complete protein for your body and helping muscle recovery, just stick with whey or plant-based, okay? That is my takeaway. And again, as always, this is just my two cents. This is my opinion with a little bit of, you know, research behind it. Okay, last question. I'm not super sore the next day after a workout. I'm lifting to failure, but should I be sore the next day? Does this mean my muscles aren't repairing? Okay, good question. So soreness is not a sign of an effective workout necessarily. And it's one that we all kind of like, I think sometimes maybe some people don't like being sore, 
But I know that I personally sometimes, if I do say some hamstring exercise, and the next day my hamstrings are sore, I'm like, ooh, I really worked those. My hamstrings are sore. And it's, again, what I just talked about marketing. It's kind of that mental effect of, I mean, they did that on purpose with toothpaste, right? The original toothpaste that they were putting out did not bubble up or foam up and they, you know, didn't taste minty and things. Those were things added in to make us feel like it's working, to make it it feel like it's really cleaning our teeth. Same thing with shampoo and conditioner. It didn't used to lather and they put things in it just to make it lather just so that we feel like it is making it clean. So part of this goes along with that, right? We just, it's mental. We feel sore. We think that means we must have done something. But it's not the sign of an effective workout. So you shouldn't be sore the next day. It doesn't mean that your muscles aren't repairing. There are other signs of an effective workout, right? Are you getting stronger? Are you able to eventually up your weights? Doesn't mean you should be climbing up in weight the very next week and maybe not the very next month, but are you feeling stronger in not only your workouts, but in daily life? Are you actually getting stronger? That's showing that you are, you know, in a good spot weight-wise. But if you are truly lifting to failure, if when you finish a set, you only have two or three reps left, then yes, you're good. You don't need to worry about, you know, maybe there are other ways you can organize your workouts. Um, you're typically, it also depends on what kind of workouts you're doing because typically I find personally, I am not sore usually when I do full body workouts because you're only doing one or two maybe exercises for each muscle group. I've talked a lot about full body workouts. That's where you're picking, you know, like a push, pull, legs, and hip hinge, maybe a core move as well that you are doing. And it's usually only one of each exercise, right? And I've posted workouts like that on Instagram as well. Well, that's just not a lot of volume to that muscle group. So if you're just doing three sets of 12 squats, yeah, your legs are probably not going to be sore the next day. However, if you are splitting up your workouts like a full day of legs, a full day of upper body, then maybe, you know, the volume will make you a little bit more sore or again, even further, if you're not even just separating it into upper body, but you're separating it into a push day, a pull day, that's totally different. Now you're doing only three muscle groups in your whole workout. Say you're doing a push day, that's chest, triceps, and shoulders. So say you're doing two exercises per muscle group, and then you know some of the big compound ones are involving multiple muscles at a time. So that's just a lot more action to that muscle that if you have not worked out like that before, that's going to make you sore. Typically when we get sore, it is usually when it's a new style of working out. If you usually lift, you know, only three sets and then all of a sudden you do five sets of something or like a, just a whole new format, you know, you normally run, but you try a CrossFit workout or you normally spin, but you do, you know, lifting workout, whatever it is, even if it's all in strength, there's still so many variations. If I, I usually do not train very high rep. I usually am more three sets of 10, three sets of 12, that kind of a thing. Where if I all of a sudden do a workout that is 20 reps one round, then 30 reps one round, then 40 reps one round. I've done that in challenges. We have uh, the challenge that just wrapped up. I had a workout like that in. And I was so sore the next day because my body was just not used to doing that many reps of something. So Usually, again, it's when it's something's new, a brand new exercise, maybe higher weight than you've ever done on an exercise. Those are the reasons we usually are become sore, but it does not at all mean that we worked out harder 
or better in that workout than we have in other ones. Okay. It's just kind of the luck of the draw. Sometimes some make us sore, some don't. And again, look for the other indicators that you're lifting hard enough, heavy enough that your workouts are tailored to your goals and are effective in that way. Especially as you're listening to this, if you're like, well, I have no idea if I should be doing full body or if I should be doing push pull, or if I should be doing upper lower, Again, we can talk, shoot me an email, try to help you figure it out. Well, a lot of it depends on how many days a week you are looking to lift as you're listening to that. And you can go back to, you know, an episode on planning your own workout schedule because that's what it has to start with. If you are only going to work out three days a week, yes, you should probably do full body each time. And then you can expect to not really be sore because you're just hitting every muscle group once or twice. All right. I hope that was helpful. (laughs) Thank you so much for listening. I would love your questions again anytime. I'll just keep them, you know, on the back burner until we're ready for the next Q&A episode. If you have them, probably somebody else does. So send them my way. I'd really appreciate it. I hope you ladies have a great rest of your day and I will talk to you next time.